0: Well, it is an honor to be with you guys today. Um, that's an incredible song, Aaron Ivy. Aaron and uh, some of our worship leaders wrote that last one. Wasn't that an incredible song? Uh, if you if you can't get fired up about that one, then hopefully by the end of this sermon, you will be. Um, I want you to uh, open up your Bibles, if you will, to the book of Matthew, chapter 28, verse 19. And if you didn't bring a Bible, that's cool. The scriptures are gonna be behind me on the screen. Um, we're... By the way, my name is Matt Carter. I'm the pastor of preaching and vision here at The Stone. And for the last two weeks, we've been going through a little mini series on the heart of God and the heart of our church to see the nations reach for the name of Jesus Christ. And today is kind of the final week in the series. Next week, you're gonna be jumping back into the Gospel of John. But let me start off today by saying that from kind of the very first days of our church, we started the church 16 years ago, One of the primary aims and purposes of our church was not only to see the people of Austin come to know the life-saving love of Christ, but from the very beginning it has been our desire to see men and women of all ages to be raised up from our church, to be equipped and trained, and then sent out from the doors of our church to whatever sphere of influence that God has called you to. And so really quickly, um, before we kind of get into the heart of the sermon here, If you are new to our church, or if you haven't been coming here for a while, or maybe uh, you're new to Christ, or maybe you're not even a believer that's here today, I wanna share with you just very quickly, I'm gonna walk through kind of the five primary reasons why we feel compelled to do this why we feel compelled to go to the nations all over the world and share with them the message of the, uh, the good news and the gospel of Jesus Christ, and then we'll kind of get to the heart of the sermon today, but really quickly, the first reason we feel compelled to send people to the nations is because Jesus commanded us to, very simply. Uh, the scripture talks about that when Jesus came, one of the primary things he did was establish a new kingdom. and it, But it wasn't a kingdom that was built in the normal ways that kingdoms are built, by the accumulation of wealth and power, but it was this new kingdom built on sacrifice and service and love. And then the claim that Jesus made, who's God in the flesh, is that he was the king of this new kingdom. And so with that in mind, I want you to listen to kind of the final words, the final command that our king gave to us before he ascended into heaven, and that's Matthew chapter 28, verse 19. Jesus said, go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He says, I need you to go and make disciples of all the nations. The word go there is key. That's not a request, that's a command. And so if you're a follower of Christ here today, that command from your king is not just on certain people's lives, but it's on every follower of Christ's life. So that's number one. Here's the second one. Because of the impact that the gospel has had on us and the way that it's changed us, then our response surely would be that we would wanna take the gospel to people who haven't heard it. And so the gospel is the good news that when you and I were dead in our trespasses and in our sins, he came to this planet, Christ came to this planet, he died on a cross, he paid the penalty for our sins so that when we trust in him, we become new citizens of this kingdom, we're adopted into the family of God and we spend eternity with him in heaven. So if that's your story here today, If you're a believer, if you're a Christian, if that's your story, you've been radically saved by the grace of God, how in the world could your response not be to want and desire and be compelled to go share that to people who have not experienced it? Here's a third reason. And this is pretty cool to think about. But that we have brothers, let me say this, we have future brothers and sisters in Christ that have not yet heard the message of Jesus. And it's up to us to go tell them. Um, One of the things, again, the Bible teaches us is that when you become a Christian, that in that moment, God adopts you into his family, that you become a son or daughter of God. And so these people that are in these other nations around the world that have never heard the gospel of Jesus Christ, they're not just random people. There are many of them, hear this, that have been bought with the blood of Jesus Jesus' blood paid for them, and there are future brothers and sisters in Christ that, from our generation that we will spend eternity with that have not yet been found, that have not yet heard the gospel. And it is, it's not, um, think about this. If you had a brother or sister that was lost, you wouldn't sit around and wait for somebody else to go find them. You would move heaven and earth to go find them. And so it's the same that's true for our future brothers and sisters in Christ that have not heard it. We can't sit around and wait hoping somebody else goes and tell them tells them we have to do everything in our power to go and find them. Here's the fourth reason that we feel compelled to take this message of the nations of Christ to the gospel. In light of all that I just said, the first three reasons, um, we at the Austin Stone here have always been, and hopefully we will always be, as long as I'm here we will be, a church that doesn't just focus on ourselves, and the people walking in the doors, but we're gonna be a a church that focuses not just inwardly, but also outwardly. And here's what I mean by that. Uh, So many churches, especially in today's culture, especially in our country, they spend the majority of their time, they spend the majority of their energy, and they spend the majority of their money on themselves. Okay, they build big buildings, um, they start all kinds of programs that are primarily focused on the people that are walking in the doors. Now listen, there's There's not anything necessarily wrong with those things, but for too many churches, that's where their vision ends. That's kinda where it stops. And here at the Stone, from the very beginning, we've tried to create an environment where yeah, you come into this place and you hear the gospel and you get trained and you get raised up and you get equipped, but the goal being that you would leave the doors of the church and to go and share that gospel wherever it is that God takes you in your life. Okay, guys, there's a reason we have five congregations at the Austin Stone. We, we've been traditionally calling them campuses. We're changing, calling them congregations now. I'll talk about that in another sermon. But we have five different congregational campus type things all over the city of Austin. Have you ever wondered why in the downtown, we're the largest Austin Stone congregation. Have you ever wondered why we're still meeting in a high school? It's ever like, why, why are we meeting in a high school? Why do we do this? I mean, do you think it's just because we love coming in here and setting up and tearing down every week? It's not. The reason that we're still in a high school, it's been intentional. It's because we literally spend millions, millions of dollars that you guys give, not on ourselves, but it goes out the door so that those future brothers and sisters in Christ can hear the message of the gospel. And here's the last, last reason. And I hope you think about this today. I hope this rests on you. And that's that in our generation, the people that are in this room, that are alive today, <laughs> we have a very small window of time to make an impact for the Great Commission and then it's over. We have a very small window of time for us and this generation to make our mark on the Great Commission and then it's over. I wanna show you a picture. Um, let's go ahead and bring this up. This picture was taken in 1902. I actually have this framed, and it's on my office wall. Uh, it was taken in 1902, it's a Baptist church in Cedar Creek, Texas. They're at a baptism service there and so many of these folks, I've studied literally every face in that picture, so many of them are young. They have their whole lives ahead of them. But I want you to know something. There's something that I've discovered that every single one of those people in that picture has in common. There's one thing that every single person in that picture has in common and that is this, is that as we speak, every single one of those people
1: in that picture is dead. Every single one of them lived their entire lives. They went
0: with their lives and then they passed away and hopefully they're with the Lord in glory. And I keep that picture on my wall of my office so that I see it and I'm reminded myself and I'm reminded that we have such a short time our generation has just this little blip in history to make our mark on the Great Commission, to do our part, to take the message of Jesus to the people of our generation that have not heard it and then we're gonna die. And then we're gonna pass the torch to the next generation. That's why we do it. That's why we're engaged. We're, we're gonna stand before the throne of God one day. I'm gonna talk about that in a minute. We're gonna stand before the throne of God one day. And when I stand before the throne of God, I wanna make sure that I did everything I possibly could to pastor a church that cared, that made a difference in the Great Commission, okay? And so those are kind of the main reasons that we as a church feel compelled to go to the nations, to take the message of Christ outside of the city of Austin to the whole world. And I wanna spend the rest of the time on message today doing a couple of things. I wanna talk about what our vision has been thus far as a church, in reaching the nations for Christ. And then I wanna kind of convey to you and share to you a new vision that God has laid on our hearts and how you can be a part of it. And then we'll be done today. So back in 2002 was when the Austin Stone was started. I moved with my little family here to Austin and myself, my family, and a couple of young couples and about 15 college students. Met in an apartment and we started the Austin Stone Community Church. And back in the day when it was just us, in that apartment, we used to pray a prayer. And if you've been around the stone a while, you've probably heard me talk about this before, but this is kind of the prayer that was the foundation of everything we did as a church. We used to get on our knees and we would pray, we'd say, God, we would say, God, would you do something through us in our time here in Austin that is so big, that is so significant, that when we look back on it, the only explanation that we could give for how it happened, God, is that you did it we would pray that prayer. God, would you do something so big that when we look back on it, the only possible explanation for how it even occurred, Lord, was that you did it. Well, about six years after we prayed that prayer, about 10 years ago now, God laid on our hearts a vision to send 100 people from our congregation to an unreached people group around the world to share with them the love of Christ. That was kind of one of the first big, crazy visions that that God laid in our hearts. To take 100 people from the Austin Stone, for them to leave Austin and go to an unreached people group. And when when I was first presented with that vision, honestly, one of the first things that went through my mind, guys, was that that's nuts, that that's crazy. I mean, we'd been praying that prayer, but, but 100 people from one church, that is a, that's a crazy, bold vision. Historically, most churches in their kind of 30-year window that, that, that a congregation is together, maybe we'll send two, three, four, five. If they're really crazy, we'll send six or seven missionaries during a 30-year window. So 100 is this crazy vision. And then on top of that, we're not sending them to just easy places around the world where it's easy to share the gospel. We specifically felt compelled to send these 100 from the Austin Stone to unreached people groups, and unreached people groups are specifically, it's a, it's a tribe or a country or a group of people somewhere that have less than 2% of their population that has heard the name of Christ. And so these are, these are not easy places to go. These are not safe places to go. A lot of these places are hostile to Christianity. It's frankly not safe. But again, we kept coming back to this prayer. God, would you do something through us in our time that's so big and so significant that when we look back on it, the only explanation, God, is that you did it, and, we, and on top of that, we kept coming back to this verse. I won't bore you with the story, but this verse kept popping up. It's Ephesians 3.20. I'm gonna show you the verse. Ephesians 3.20, it says, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we can ask or think according to the power that is at work within us, and so Paul is saying this is what God is able to do. What is God able to do, Paul says. Here's what God's able to do. He's able to do far more abundantly, not just more, but far more abundantly than anything you can ask for and anything that you can even think of. That's what Paul says God is able to do. And so, as I stand here today, since we cast that that original vision 10 years ago, I need to confess something to you, that God actually did not fulfill our vision um, to send 100 goers, we call them goers here at the stone, Uh, to the nations, rather instead what he did was blow our vision out of the water. He actually did far more abundantly than anything we were asking for, and he did far more abundantly than anything we could even possibly imagine. Since that day that we cast that vision, church, God has raised up from this congregation 239 goers to dozens of unreached people groups all over the world. I'm glad you're clapping. But it's about to get better, all right? Let me give you just a little context of kind of how big a deal that is, because you're like 239 in a church this large, that it doesn't sound like a ton, but I just cannot tell you that, that puts us, um, puts you, as one of the most prolific sending churches in the history of the United States of America. It makes you one of the most prolific sending agencies, one of the biggest missionary sending agencies on planet earth today as we speak, okay? And so I wanna kind of answer the question, okay, we've got these 239 goers in the field. Um, That's not exactly how many are in the field now. That's been in the 10 years. I think there's 150 right now that are in the field. Um, I wanna give you some statistics for what how God used them in 2018. This is one year, this is not counting the other nine that they've been out in these unreached people groups. Remember, this is where crazy places for God. I just wanna give you the stats from 2018. When I was given these and I read them, I just broke down and started crying like a baby. There are Austin Stone goers, goers that are currently uh, in unreached people groups around the world. Last year, they had 16,855 intentional spiritual conversations was a vast majority of those are with individual people that had never heard the name of Jesus in their life. That's awesome. Um, it gets better. Last year, 2018, 601 Bible studies were started in unreached people groups. I mean, that right there, we could just be like, we could clap, bring Aaron back up and go to hula. Hut. I mean, we just celebrate God. That's incredible. 601 Bible studies in unreached people groups. Like, praise God, we're done, right? It gets better. This, this is when it starts getting crazy. Last year, 2018, through our doors, through you, 342 new churches were planted in unreached people groups. It's incredible. And during that time, last year, over 2,800 people gave their lives to Christ for the first time in unreached people groups. That's when you clap, all right? That's incredible. That's revival. It's unbelievable. That's one year. That's not counting all the other years. And I keep coming back to this verse, God, or that, that prayer, rather. God, would you do something in our time? It's so big that when we look back on it, the only explanation is God that you did it. And church, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, that kind of fruit doesn't happen because of people's talent. It doesn't happen because of people's intelligence. It doesn't happen because of people's giftings. It doesn't happen because of sermons and cool music. It happens because Almighty God said, you know what, you wanna pray that crazy prayer? My answer is yes, that's why it happens. And so that brings us today to I think an important question as a church, as where do we go from here? Where do we go from here? What, what's next for the Austin Stone? And, and the way that I see it, guys, we've got three options. The first one is that we can sort of say, well, we did it, God, you did it. Praise God, we've arrived. And just kind of go through the motions with the rest of our time that we have and th- say, thank you, God, so much for what you've done and just kind of rest on our laurels of what he's already done. A lot of churches do that at different stages of the life of their church. The other option is we can keep running the play. It's a great play. Keep raising up people from, from our church and going to these unreached people groups that have never heard the name of Jesus. And, and we could do that and we could live our lives and we could die and go to heaven and I think we could stand before the throne of God with all integrity and honesty and say, God, you know, we did everything you asked us to do, but then there's this third thing, there's this third option and that's this, that what if we got on our knees one more time in faith and we prayed the prayer again? What if instead of just sitting on our laurels or maybe just running the play that God has already given us, what if one more time we get on our knees and say and ask and say, God, in the time we have left, would you once again, would you once again do something so significant that when we look back on it, the only way we could explain it, God, is that you did it. And I think the third the third option is the only one that makes sense to me because if we have a God that's done this much, then maybe, just maybe, he's willing to do it again. And so I wanna share with you kind of our next vision that God has laid on us and then I wanna share how you can be involved in it. Um, again, the first version, uh, vision was to send 100 people from our church to unreached people groups in the name of Christ. God did it and now we feel like God has called us to raise the bar and to raise it significantly And here's what it is. And that's not just to send another 100 people from our church, which it will require that, but it's to ask God to take 100 of those unreached people groups and through the efforts of our goers and through the efforts of our church, see them become reached. Okay, as I stand here today on this uh, stage, there's 7,000 that we know of, there's 7,000 distinct people groups around the world that are unreached that have never heard the name of Christ. What we're praying and what we're asking God is that through our time together, that God would use us to take 100 of those unreached people groups off the unreached people groups list. And the way that we're, we're gonna do it, and the way we feel compelled to do it is through this, listen carefully, it's to catalyze a church planting movement among those 100 unreached people groups. Now that's fancy church speak for this. God is not reaching people around the nations primarily through individual Christians sharing their faith with other individual people. That's just where it starts. The way that people groups are coming to Christ is when teams of people go into a country, go into a place, and when they go there they do lead individual people to Christ but then through those indigenous people they start a church and they train and equip those indigenous people in that church, and then they train them to their, that indigenous church to go and lead other people to Christ, and then through those other people start a church. And those other people that started another church, they go lead other people to Christ, and then they go start a church. Through generation after generation after generation, it's called the multiplying church planting movement among the unreached. That's how you reach an unreached people group. It's hard to do, there's very few examples of it in history of one individual doing it, but there's a ton of examples of it happen through church multiplying movements. Now, what's really cool is that we're already through some of our goers seeing this happen. There's a place in Southeast Asia, I'm not gonna share with you just because of, of security reasons, but there's a place in Southeast Asia where one of our teams of going, or goers, has already seen 30 distinct groups of people become churches. And they are in turn beginning to lead other churches and and the generations are starting to add up and this thing's starting to multiply and it's starting to get crazy. Awesome stuff is happening through one of our teams, through a lot of our teams, but specifically through that one. And so what we're asking God to do is to replicate that in a 100 different unreached people groups all over the world. And guys, that's a big vision. That's a huge vision. And the first time that was presented to me, I had the exact same response in my brain in my heart, my lack of faith, I was like, that's insane. That's crazy, that's, I don't know that that's ever, I don't, I, don't think that's, I don't think any church in history has ever done that. I, I, don't, I don't think it ever has, it's ever happened. It's a crazy, big, fat, honking vision.
1: But the last time I checked, we serve a big God who is able to do far more abundantly than anything
0: we can ask or think, according to the power that is at work in you. And so let's take a minute here, and then let's kinda, let's talk about what it's gonna take to accomplish that vision. For that vision to happen, what God's gonna have to do is he's gonna have to raise up people that are willing to go, among us that are willing to go. I think about Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah, and how he was called By God. God uh, raised a question to his people. He asked a question. He said, Who will go for us? Who will go for us and be a messenger to these people? God had a message to the people that that he wanted to tell them, but he had to tell it through someone. And so he said, who will go for us? Whom shall we send to go and be a messenger to the people? And this guy named Isaiah raised his hand and with his hand kind of shaking in the air, he said, God,
1: here I am. Here I am, Lord, send me. You see it in the Old Testament. You see it in places like Acts 11
0: where where the Holy Spirit calls individual people out, men and women, to go to crazy places to, to share the name of Christ. That is why you're sitting in a church in Austin, Texas today is because the whole history of the church is people raising their hand and saying, here I am, Lord, send me, I'll go. And I believe with every fiber of my being that God would not have placed this vision on our hearts if there weren't already some of you that he was calling to raise your hand and say, here I am, Lord, send me. We've been praying literally for, we, God kind of laid this vision on our heart about a year and a half ago, and since that time, we've been praying for this Sunday. And we've been praying that many of you would, as you look back on this Sunday, that you would look back on this day and you would realize that that was the day that God started whispering in your ear, this is what you were created to do. That you would
1: look back on this day and this was the day that you said, Lord, here I am. Send me. Is it? Is it scary? Yeah, it's incredibly scary to think about
0: leaving your home, leaving the greatest city in the history of the world. Um, to go to some crazy place in the world where they've never even heard of the name of Jesus. If you go, is it gonna be easy? It's not. I can tell you right now, it's gonna be the hardest thing you've ever done in your life. But I wanna give you, for those of you that may be sensing a call in your life today, you may be sensing a restlessness that God wants you to do something, but you maybe haven't known what it is and you're thinking, God, is this what you want for my life? I want you to know something that there's one promise of God that if you go in his name that you can just kind of take to the bank and this is the promise of God if you go that he will always go with you.
1: He will always be right with you wherever you go. Moses, Scotty Moses, you've heard of him before. He was just out in the wilderness one day.
0: He was just minding his own business, doing his own thing, tending his sheep and then out of nowhere, God shows up in a burning bush, starts speaking to Moses and says, so, Moses, I got a job for you. I need you to go to the most powerful man in all the world. It's Pharaoh of Egypt. I need you to walk right up to him and say, Pharaoh, uh, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob has a message for you. He's the great I am, by the way, and he wants you to let his people go. He wants you to set his people free. And Moses sort of went, what are you talking about, God? Why are you talking to me? I'm just a normal guy, I'm just doing my thing, I'm just living my life. I don't even speak that well I as a stutter, as a matter of fact, God, why are you coming to me? God, I don't know if I can even do this and what God said next was amazing. He said, Moses, when you go, I want you to know something, I will be with you.
1: I will never leave you. If you raise your hand today and say, here I am, Lord, send me, that's the
0: promise. That's the promise, not my promise. That's the promise of the God of the universe is that no matter where you go, no matter what you do, you will go with him and he will go with you. And that's not just an Old Testament concept. That's not just something that God was saying to Moses. That's what Jesus Christ It came out of his mouth, not just to some crazy prophet guy, but it's a promise that came out of the mouth of Christ to you and to me in Matthew 28, 19. And again, this is the last thing Jesus said before he ascended into heaven, Matthew 28, 19. He said, go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. It's the last thing he said and He ascended into heaven. He said, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you and behold, I am am with you always, even to the end of the age. The promise is if you go, he's going with you. And if that were not enough, if that were not enough, the other promise that you can take to the bakers is you've got a church here in Austin, Texas that will be with you no matter what, every single step of the way. And I think that brings us to kind of the last thing that I wanna talk about today. And that's, um, that's this, for us to see God answer this prayer of a church planning movement being catalyzed over 100 unreached people groups. It's gonna take more than just a handful of us raising our hand and saying, God, here I am, send me. It's gonna take our entire church. It's too big. It's gonna take our entire congregation. Okay, so I want you to listen really carefully. If you don't kind of hear anything else, I'd love for you to hear this. It, not, God is not gonna call all of you to go. God's not gonna call all of us to an unreached people group. And that's okay, but here's the one thing that you need to understand that the Bible is crystal clear about is that you are, if you're a Christian, if you claim the name of Christ, he 100% is calling you to engage in the fulfilling of
1: the Great Commission. There is no scenario that the Bible paints where you can be a Christian, come to church, sing songs,
0: listen to sermons, and then go on your life and never get in the fight. It just doesn't exist, biblically speaking. Great preacher Charles Spurgeon said this, I think we have the quote, I found this this week. He said, if I never won souls, I would sigh until I did. I would break my heart over them if I could not break theirs. Now listen to what he says, this is, this is crucial. He says, though I can understand the possibility of an earnest sower never reaping a harvest of souls, I simply cannot fathom the possibility of a sower being content not to reap. What, what, what my man Chuck Spurgeon just said is that there's no such thing as a Christian that doesn't have a desire to get in the fight of the Great Commission, it does not exist. The Bible paints a picture of a day that's coming, it's a prophecy, a day of coming, then all of us are around the throne of God. And the picture that it paints is that every tribe and every tongue and every nation is gathered around the throne of the Lord on that day of days. And I want you if you can, would you just imagine what that might look like? The billions of people throughout every generation that have been saved and their sins have been forgiven and they're washed in the blood of Christ. From every tribe, every tongue or nation, they're around the throne of God and right in the middle, is the Lord, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, he's on his throne and to his right. Is, is the Son of God, Jesus Christ, he's seated at the right hand of the Father. And I want you to imagine that maybe over there to your right are several thousand Persians from Iran. And then, and then over to your left are, are a thousand of Peaches and Papabo from the Amazon. And then, and then around you and behind you is this huge group of the Dolgan people from Russia. And then way over there is is this tribe of people that you never even heard of in your life, surrounded by every tribe, every tongue, every nation on that day. I wanna tell you what the absolute worst possible scenario on that day is. The worst possible scenario on that day is that you're not there. That you never trusted in Christ as your Lord and Savior and you're not there. But I wanna tell you of the second worst possible scenario, second only not to be in there, and that's us your you're a Christian, you were saved, and you're standing around the throne of God that day, seeing faces from every tribe and every tongue and every
1: nation, but as you're standing there, it hits you like a ton of bricks that you had absolutely nothing to do with it. Can you imagine being there on that day of days, basking in the glory of the presence of Almighty God, and it hits you that you were too busy building your social media platform? or climbing the corporate ladder, or spending the weekends of your life at the lake, and instead of getting in the fight, which on that day you will realize was the only fight that really mattered. (sighs) Every Christian in the sound of my voice right now, I don't care where you are in life, you need to ask the question, God, do you want me to go? It's a command. God, do you want me to go? And if he says no, that's okay. But then the next question needs to be okay. If you
0: don't want me to go, what would you have me to do? And so I want to finish the message today. I want to, real quickly, I'm, we're almost done. I want to give you four quick ways that we can engage in this, whether you're called to go or whether you're called not to go, how all of us who claim the name of Christ here can get in the fight. Number one, intentionally pray. Intentionally pray. From now till February 15th, we've actually been going through it already, but now through February 15th, we're entering into a season of prayer and fasting as a church for this vision. Hopefully thousands of people getting on our knees saying, God, would you do something in our day that's so big, we look back on it, the only way we can describe or explain how it happened is that you did it. We're praying every day and we're also fasting on Tuesdays from Monday night dinner until Tuesday night dinner, we're fasting. So when you're walking around Tuesday morning and you're hungry and you kind of feel that hunger pain, then that, that's, a, that's to be a reminder that you stop, you kind of pray, God, this hunger I feel in my stomach is the hunger that we have to see you move among the nations. Maybe you need to grab your phone right now and just put a reminder on Tuesday, put a reminder for every day until February 15th to join us in prayer, prayer is powerful. God heeds the prayer of his people, we need you to pray. The second thing is to be a goer. We need people to go. In your seat is a form right here um, that everybody should have had in their seat. You should have had a pencil. If you're here today and you're like, okay, I'd like more information about this. I'd like to talk to somebody. I'd like, like to maybe speak to a goer that's come back. I'd like to talk to a pastor about what this looks like in my life. I want you to fill this out. Place it in the offering plate. Um, It's not a commitment to go by any shape, form or fashion. All it is is so we can have your information and somebody will reach out to you and will answer every question you have. They'll talk to you about what the next step would be if, if you get past that initial question asking phase about what it might look like for you to go to the nations as a goer. And one of the next steps will be is here in Austin, you join what's called the DMI. Um, which is a disciple making intensive. It's a 10 week kind of small group where um, you're learning everything you need to know right here in Austin. You start living kind of missionally right here in Austin. It's incredible, people are coming to Christ crazy through our DMIs that exist right now. And so that would be kind of the next step. So if, that's, if, you're, if you felt anything moving in your heart today that maybe this is a possibility, fill that out, put an offering plate, hand it to somebody a green shirt out there and we will contact you. That's all that is. So that's number one, pray. Number two, be a goer. Number three, give. We've set up a specific funding mechanism where people can sign up today and um, they give $25 a month. And what's cool about this specific thing is that that money goes directly into the pockets of goers. Do not pass go, do not collect $200. It goes directly to our goers. It costs a lot of money uh, to to run the day-to-day operation of the Austin Stone um, the lights and and you know everything we have to pay for there 's a lot of it, but this is going right from your pocket into the pocket of the goers. Um, Pastor M several weeks ago kind of talked about this when we first set it up and cast the vision. There were eight thousand people there that day, and a hundred people signed up for it in order to pay the bill for all of our goers to go next year it 's going to take three thousand three hundred and forty of you to give that twenty five a month. If everybody here were to do it, that would be a total of $2.4 million and that would provide for the other 100 or so people that need to go to help us begin to fulfill this vision. Every single dollar goes into the field, every dollar. Um, Tyler said something earlier uh, during the announcements that I'm gonna go ahead and say because I think it was, it was pretty cool what he said during the announcements. He said, you know, if you're sitting here and you're hearing all this and your heart's just not moved by any of this, you're like, man, I'm a Christian, but man, this, to be honest, this is not moving my heart. What you're saying, it's not moving my heart. One of the best things you could probably ever do is sign up for this little $25 thing because the promise Jesus made is that where your money is, your heart's gonna follow it. And once you give to see the name of Christ taken to the nations, your heart's gonna grow to see the name of Christ taken to the nations. And so on the other side of that card, you can just fill it out and... Um, and and put your name and your email address, and I think they're gonna contact you. I don't know how it's gonna work. They don't tell me this kind of stuff. Just fill it out, stick it in the plate. We'll make it happen. I'm doing this, by the way, on top of what I'm giving already. And then the last thing is this. It's if you're in a small group at the Austin Stone, whether you're a high school student, college student, whether you're in a regular missional community, no matter where you are, you can you can kind of transition your small group into what's called an advocacy team, which is a group of people that comes alongside individual goers that are already on the field and you support them in basically every way possible. You just kind of adopt a goer and you're all in with that particular goer. You can go to forthenations.org to find out more information about that. And so those are the four ways that all
1: of us who claim the name of Christ, I'd like to see you getting involved, okay? I wanna show you a quick video and then I'll come up and pray and we'll be done. I wanna tell you why I picked that video. Because we
0: have other stories from our story team of groups of goers in crazy places that are seeing a ton of success and seeing people come like crazy to Christ and we could have showed you those stories and we would all got fired up, and be ready to charge hell with a water pistol. But I chose this one because I think it shows the reality of one, how difficult it is to go whenever you kind of raise your hand and say, okay, I'm gonna take the name of Christ to a place that nobody has ever heard it, the enemy is going to come after you. And I wanted you to see the reality of that. Um, I also wanted to show the fact that as God has raised up people in our church, some of them have had to come home. The only reason that occurs, the only reason God in his sovereignty allows that to happen is because I believe with all my heart that he's raising up others to go and take their place. God may be calling you to to take this sweet family's place. And I showed you also this video to show that even if you feel called to go, but you can't go, or maybe you don't feel called to go, there are ways that everybody in our church can engage and get in the fight. We were on the advocacy team for this amazing couple. He's my doctor, he and I are very good friends. We were with them from the very beginning. It was heart-wrenching, but it's been amazing to see the way that they've come back, set up prayer groups for goers, help uh, support advocacy teams, give money. They are just, they're just crushing it, and being a part of fulfilling the, the Great Commission, even though that wasn't in the cards for them with the Lord. And so Austin Stone, I, want, I don't want you to go to bed tonight without wrestling with what we've talked about today. And so whatever it is, whatever it is that God calls you to,
1: let your answer to him be yes. All right, let's pray together. Fathers, I've been praying all week. I I just pray that, Lord, there would be people in that crowd around your throne in that day of days that would be there because of the people in this room. There's somebody in some crazy place heard the name that is sweeter and more beautiful than any name that's ever been uttered, the name of Jesus. And they gave their heart to him. And they get to come up to us and say, thank you. Thank you for your time.
0: Thank you for your prayer. Thank you for your finances. Thank you for your sacrifice. Thank you for the life that you laid down. Thank you for the dream that you laid down so that
1: I could hear the name. Holy Spirit, I pray that from this moment forward, you would do your work. And that
0: when you move and when you call, our answer would be yes. I pray that today in
1: Jesus' name. Amen. I'm in church. Let's stand together. Let's worship it.